I'm Caitlin. I'm Sarah. We're just women having candid conversations about all things life. Welcome to Coffee Coffee and Mimosas. Cheers. All right. Do do do. Here we are. Live. For real. (laughs) (laughs) We don't get nervous very often, but. Here we go. There we go. We're going to let people in. Oh, look, we know some of these faces. Gail. Names. Collab with Katie. Bonnie. Is nobody's camera on? Is that what's happening right now? (laughs) (laughs) Good morning. Oh, wait, we can't hear them. That's that could be. Yeah, it's because I'm really in my robe getting ready for the day. You don't want my camera on. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. That's okay, Mama. How's it going this morning? Going. Trying to get my life together today. Yeah. That's okay. That's great. Thanks for doing this. This is exciting. Uh, Yeah. I mean, we're just, we just hit record and here we are because this is how we roll sometimes, you know? Love it. Yeah. Welcome, Bonnie. And it looks like Gail. Hi, guys. I'm a little bit the same. I'm under the weather today, so you don't want to see this whole mess going on. But I still wanted to just sign on and listen in and and support. I think this is awesome. Yeah, we're excited. Thanks for being here. I think we say that every episode. Yes. So excited. So excited. (laughs) So exciting. Yeah. Oh, man. It's good. We have Abby. Abby G. Is that Sandhills Abby? Nanny Co.? Yes, it is. <laughs> Hi. No one wants to show their face. It's totally fine. I get it. And Morgan with Shiloh Court Bridal. Welcome. Goes back to the whole like video being watched thing, you know, that we talked about with Abby. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Like, listen, if you want to, like, pick your nose or, you know, put on eyeliner like Sarah did this morning. Why did I put on so much eyeliner? God. <laughs> you want to do it in peace. We get it. Jeez. Oh, All this right. Still uploading. Well, we are going to get started while people keep hopping on. So thank you all for coming on with us. Um we had this little idea mm-hmm. that we would all just kind of have coffee and mimosas together and some of you from your own bathroom. So that's great. <laughs> um, so we would like to basically open up the floor to ask um, any type of business related question, business life balance, whatever you can think of. Being and a mom, being a wife military spouse like we're kind of coffee and mimosas is whatever Mm -hmm. yeah so if you have any questions of things that either you just want to know or things you might want advice on and even if you're someone else listening that has something to chime in on other people's questions then um, please let us know I think the easiest way to do this would be (laughs) like a classroom somebody raise your hand and then that way it's not you know everybody trying to talk at once so if anyone has like this question or anything on their mind if you know how to do the little hand raise in um yeah so I don't know how to do that not that I need to know for this but (laughs) how do you do that I think you just I think you just you just oh oh oh, Katie Katie did it star student star student I did 
think I went to, I was trying it out. I think I went because I'm on my phone. So I think I went to reactions and then raise hand. Perfect. Man. Great. I do have a question though. Yeah. Um, Time blocking. How do you guys recommend blocking out time for your business? Obviously my business is a lot like on the go in the office and I've been seeing all these people with these beautifully time blocked calendars but like how do you go about doing that when sometimes your day is kind of like on the fly with like client stuff um I'm finding that my days are just getting away from me and I want to learn how to time block but I'm not very good at it yeah yeah so I've always done time blocking and um, Caitlin's a specialist in this too um I actually learned time blocking a long time ago when I worked in direct sales um, because that kind of thing, you feel like you're constantly creating those relationships, promoting, and you feel like you're constantly turned on for work. So time blocking is so important so that you can be turned on for your family and turned on for your relationships and other aspects of your life. So for me personally, I have set office hours and each day of the week and each time block of that, I have specific things that I do during that time. And it helps with predictability for my staff because they know I'm going to make the schedule for next week for the front desk every Wednesday. And I do it every Wednesday at 11 and they know that. So it helps with not just me respecting that time and making sure that that's what I do during that time and don't schedule anything else during that time, but also trains my staff how to communicate that with me. So they know like if they have to ask for time off or anything like that, um, that they're aware of that. So basically, and, and you can maybe have a better strategy, but I map out first my week and then the actual blocks of time within the week and what my work hours are. And so for someone like you that might be constantly communicating with a lot of different clients, you have to remember like none of it's an emergency unless they like accidentally post an inappropriate picture on social media or something. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, emergency, take it down. (laughs) But you have to remember none of it's an emergency and they can wait to be replied to and decide what time you are blocking out to reply to clients. Right. So every single aspect of your business, you you put in a block of time and that's when you do it. So, you know, for my team, we started Slack because everybody was texting me, yet my kids would open up a text or whatever because they're watching YouTube kids on my phone because I'm a great mom 100 percent of the time (laughs) and they would open the text. So you have to have systems within those time blocks, too. So, you know, the Slack was my way of getting my staff to communicate with me and they know I have set times that I check the slack and will respond with them. And the only time anyone from my staff is supposed to text me if it's like super time sensitive. Um, and so you just have to also, you'll have to train your clients too. Yep. My morning hours to communicate with clients or my work hours to communicate with clients are 10, nine to 12 Monday through Thursday and Fridays two to four, I will get back to you during those times. My time to go capture footage is this time. My time to meet with my staff members is this time. Um, and just being very intentional about what you do and when. 
and not letting the distractions get to you during that time because sometimes I'll do that work at home and sometimes I'll do it from the studio and it was driving me crazy because I was sitting at the studio yesterday and my time was blocked out for creating the schedule and I saw four voicemails there and the little thing was going beep beep (laughs) beep and I so bad wanted to check those four voicemails but I had no clue what they were and it could have led me off onto a trail of different work than what I was blocked out to do at that point in time. So I just went to a different room and got away from that distraction. So if you have any other like special strategies or techniques that you think you can elaborate on Caitlin for that. Yeah. So Katie, like what do you think is the biggest issue? Is it not, is it that things bleed over into other things or there's a distraction or, um, you know, more stuff gets added to your plate on a specific day. Like what is the biggest challenge? And you said like my day gets away from me. I think it's, um, so like, obviously I have a work phone, which has been huge and helpful with like boundary. Um, I got the boundaries in place, but it's like during the day, my clients have access to me via my work phone. So it might be something that, um, you know, Hey, we want to add this to the email later this week, or, Hey, I thought of this idea. So I think it's really just like, I've made myself so available for clients, which I love Mm -hmm. and which is a huge, I think thing that sets my business apart, which I'm not willing to like totally give up, but like, cause I can be like at, you know, a client getting, um, content and I have a text come through that I see and I, I try to be intentional and put on do not disturb when I can, but a text come through and then I'm pulled out of my creativeness and I'm like, Oh shoot, this client needs something today. And then I have to put it on my to-do list. And so it's just like, I think it's cause it's, I'm so, it's so different that I'm like, my work is constantly from my phone. So I'm like constantly getting distracted. So really it's just like, you know, I have the certain days, you know, where I'm going and getting content like that never changes. That's steady on my calendar. But really, I think it's just like the things that come up throughout the day um, because we have made ourselves so available for our clients, but then it's also like, I'm, you know, my hour that I've blocked out for content has now been filled 30 minutes with answering a a semi-urgent or a, you know, I feel like I want to get back to them kind of thing. So that's kind of, I think the biggest, that all the things that pop up during the day that I did not block out. So I love that you use do not disturb because then you're not getting the pop-up notification. So I would highly recommend if, if distractibility, which for all of us, it is a problem, turn off your notifications for Instagram, turn them off for any social media. And when you are time blocked to do something, answer emails, order supplies, create the schedule, whatever it is, turn your phone on do not disturb or move it away from you. Right. Um, how would it feel to do that? Because the reason you're not doing it is I would imagine because you feel like you have to answer immediately in order to, um, you know, be the business that you want to be, that you, you want to have your clients feel that accessibility. So you want to deliver immediately. So how would it feel to literally not pick up your phone during your time block to, you know, creative, right. Your creative time block. Um, I mean, definitely good, but it's, it's, it's so hard with me because it's like my phone is literally in my hand during that creative time block. I, you know what I mean? So like that's my creative time block is my phone in hand. So I think it's just 
it's just trying to figure out that how to be set my business apart by being so accessible without mm-hmm. being so accessible. Does that make does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think it it's first a mindset thing, right? You have to give yourself permission to say, no, I'm literally unaccessible during this hour, right? So at the beginning of that time block in those notes on your calendar, it's reminding you to turn your phone on do not disturb. Step mm-hmm. one, do not disturb. Then you're like, okay, this is my creative time. I'm going to dive into that. And then you are having to bring yourself back from the urge to go look at the text messages or um, check Voxer or whatever it is. You've got to know that, no, my creative time feels good. I'm in this flow. I am creating. I am making progress. And you have to associate that time block with those feelings. So it's not just so about... Sorry, would you recommend doing like, okay, from 10 to 10.30, you will heal back from me via text or boxer. And then from 2 to 2.30, while I'm in car line, you'll heal, hear back from me. Text. Like, is that is that how you kind of like time block that? Or like, how do you, and then how do you communicate that, you know? Yeah. So I put a set time frame on things. Okay. So like with my coaching clients, you have, if you tack onto your coaching package, you can voice message me up to 10 minutes a week. And in the contract, it says, um, you know, I will get back to you at my allotted time. So it's not a specific time. It is on my calendar, but I don't immediately respond to everybody unless I'm in that time block of either um, margin where there's nothing on my calendar, which I highly recommend everybody have because stuff happens. And you also need to decompress no matter what you've been doing. Um, I know what time it is. They do not know necessarily what time it is. It's a time frame. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like I'm at therapy right now. This is great. Well, and if you, I like questions, I was going to say, if you, if you feel you need to communicate with them or like give a reason as to why you didn't reply right away. Maybe from the Mm -hmm. get go, say I'll reply within 24 hours Mm -hmm. and just let your clients know, like I'll always reply within 24 hours because by always constantly replying to them, you're setting the expectation that you will always constantly reply to them. And then that creates a lack of boundaries for you and them. And, you know, like we've said a million times, it's not an emergency. Like maybe something gets needed needs to get added to the no. email list, but that's where your policy marketing is not an emergency. We're not doing brain surgeries. <laughs> right. Right. But we uh-huh. also as business owners take a lot of pride in our business and oh, it's sure. all relative of what's an emergency. Right. And for we sure. want yeah. to set the bar high and we want to deliver and we want to over deliver. And that's when we get so distracted and then you get almost nothing done and you make no progress because you're like, bing, 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 <laughs> you know? Yes. And it's about the pre-communication. So the example of I need this added to my email. So you have to let your clients know anything that needs to be added to an email needs to be told to us 24 hours notice, you know, and then that way it's less urgent to them. And then the, it's on them. Oh crap. I didn't tell her within 24 hours <laughs> that I need that added. So it's just a matter of training your clients and staff as well. My staff knows the times that I do stuff, but the clients don't always know. Um, And sometimes I do stuff outside of those blocked times when life happens, when your kid gets sick or whatever. And so you just have to stay up an extra hour later or wake up an hour earlier um, to do those things. But I still schedule like the email reply. I will not reply at 11 p.m. I schedule it to look like it goes out at 8 a.m. 
So that way I'm still training people that I'm not going to reply to your email at 11 PM, even though Mm -hmm. I did, (laughs) but they don't know that. (laughs) Yeah. And I, if there are tasks, it sounds like you have like your weekly tasks that are blocked out on specific days. So it's like the overall picture, you know, what's happening in your week, right? Yeah. Very predictable. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the distractible things that are causing the problem. Oh, 100%. Yes. Yes. So it's super easy again to say, just reduce the distractions, but it's the mindset around why we feel the need to respond or look or, you know, be in this urgent environment. So it's really looking at your headspace of like, okay, by giving my full attention to this creative time block, I am getting X, Y, and Z fill in the blank. And they're paying for your creativity. So give yourself that time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's really associating the emotion with the time block. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. No, that makes sense. I really appreciate it. Time blocking is a really big thing right now. We put out the... Um, on our social media yesterday. I don't know if you saw I it. I did. I did. I saw it. I <laughs> <Yeah. looked. laughs> um, what people were really looking for, for the next social. And a lot of people want time blocking. Hmm. Um, so we'll have to put our heads together on what that, that presentation looks oh, like. I'm thinking of a giant, pretty color coded calendar. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. I like those kinds of things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many people here you can either chime in or chat or raise your hand like is time blocking a really big um either challenge or something that you're interested in I don't know if we've ever had so much silence on the podcast okay no one excellent (laughs) perfect (laughs) moving on There's chats down here. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> okay. There's a, there's a hand raised. Such a struggle. Need to incorporate it for sure. Okay. Yeah. Struggling through the same thing. Totally. I, I, when one of us is like challenged with something, I think most of us are challenged with something. Right. And Absolutely. I learned most of my time blocking stuff through Tony Robbins, which is why and I, I kind of tweaked it along the way to fit me personally, but that's why there's so much mindset involved because we can say like, just put it on your calendar. Like, okay. But if there's no mindset around why you follow a calendar or what it means to you or what you get out of it or what the pain is associated with not following a calendar, then it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I don't remember who trained us. I think Bonnie, Bonnie raised her. Yeah. Hand. I was going to say, so one of my issues is, um, with time blocking is, um, I have, I, I have multiple jobs. So I have obviously, um, second fine design and I, I do, um, my own work, but I also am a full-time marketing director for a business out on the West coast. So one of the things that's tough for me is I do time block and it helps because I have that time zone adjustment, but I put, I prioritize pretty much everybody else before my own time. So I prioritize what is the time that people can contact me for my um, my marketing job? And then I time block for 
um, my business here, answering clients and things. And then what I find I, that fall, always just always falls down to the bottom is the time that I actually need to do to get my work done. And, and my, and, and so I'm one of those people that, um, will <laughs> fall asleep pretty easily, but also wake up at midnight or one o'clock and either I know I'm going to lay in bed for a couple of hours or I get up and I go downstairs and I, I do the work. Um, so in that is obviously detrimental to me and my self-care. So I need, constantly need the feedback of you have to prioritize yourself and your time too before prior sometimes before prioritizing others or else you're not going to be able to accomplish the list so that's that's my struggle with time blocking um i hope i'm not the only one who wakes up in the middle of the night no you are not alone i i do that and i learned a trick once that when you wake up and you've got all these things on your mind you can just write it down and it literally just putting it on paper writing it down gets it out of your mind so that you can go back to sleep. And then it reminds you tomorrow, you know, to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, What I was going to say about this whole thing is it sounds like there's not enough margin for you. And so you have to figure out which things you're going to be okay to be good enough or let fail and where you can create the margin. Like what's more important is your long-term goal, your business and the things you need to do. Because if so, that's what you should not put last. Or is your long-term goal to maintain this other job or, you know, vice versa. So it's, I actually learned that through therapy. What, <laughs> what are you willing to let fail? And This is a therapy session because I'm definitely a perfectionist <laughs> and I want to, I want to exceed in every single aspect. Um, but I have, I have. I 100% have felt that this last year. And so I'm transitioning and going down uh, next year and um, am able to commit um, more time to my business and this community. So I'm super excited about that. But that's not happening until January. So I've got a couple more months of just getting through getting through the crazy. Um, and hopefully, yeah, if we do, if we do a time blocking, um, practice session, that'll get me fully set up for the new year. I like that for a new year's resolution kind of thing. Or new year's resolutions. Yeah. 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 Do you think that it's, um, that there's, that you have too much on your plate that realistically you can't get it all done in the allotted time that you have? Um, I think it's for not necessarily because my schedule definitely changes where one week I'm lighter and another week I'm busier. I think most of it is self-inflicted, um, especially being a newer business. Uh, I have a little bit of the, the always say yes, always meet everybody's deadline, always, um, uh, so I just to keep the momentum going and to keep things going versus uh, uh, getting to a point where as a business owner, I'm establishing my schedule and either clients fit into my calendar or or they don't. So I, it's not always um, that that I'm I'm overrun or have too much going on. Um, but I think also when you add in the extra weight of being a mom and a wife and those daily things, that's where um, I, I I think like, okay, so if sometimes I'm excelling in one area of my life, 
you know, a ball drops in another area. And right now, this season of my life, I've been focusing on the business. And then I go through mom guilt and kind of go through all of that. Of the, the expectations of have it all, do it all um, definitely is is an interesting thing um, and, and is a highlight of my the season I'm in right now. Well, I think have it all, do it all is absolute bullshit, if you want yeah. my honest opinion. <laughs> Because I don't think, I think you could have a lot and do a lot, but I don't think you can have it all. And everyone loves to say like, oh, I have this balance. Like I've never experienced true balance. I've experienced the balancing act of exactly like you described, like, okay, this is my season where I'm really hustling in my business, which naturally means that other things suffer a little bit. And I have to be okay with that because in the long term, the thing that's suffering now, my family, my kids, um, and suffering is a relative term, right? Um, (laughs) like you missed a soccer game. Okay. Right. Uh, But in the long term, it means that that bumps back up to my top priority because I have hustled in my business and created this thing that now allows me to step away a little bit so I can prioritize my kids, my family and have time. You know, I think a lot of this is society induced because we're told like, have everything, have all this money, have all this time, you know, be it every kid's soccer game and recital and all of this stuff. And, you know, be superwoman. Don't ever sleep or something is what you'd have to do. Um, and we don't allow ourselves to like, just give ourselves permission to say like, Oh, these are my top three priorities in my life right now. And you can say that the number one is your business right now. I think we just have to be like honest with ourselves to say, oh, no, this is the season for my business. And I'm going to hustle in this because in a year from now, what I really want my number one priority to be is my family. And if I hustle now, then I'll be able to do that. So I think it's a lot about just like reframing it in the way that we think about it and letting it be okay that that's the case. It may be like that we feel a little shame or guilt, like you said about that, but intentions are what they are if that makes sense. And I think also when you're starting a new business, it is hard to say no, but I think later on you look back at the things you wish you would have said no to. And the more that, not that you should say no to everybody that comes to you, but say, this is the number of clients I can take on. And you tell people, I can only take on this number of client. I'll put you on my wait list and I'll let you know when I have availability, they will either wait for you or they won't. Um, but you're not, it's like, it's, it is that guilt and it is that mindset like Caitlin talked about. It's like, you feel bad because you wanted to take them on, but what's more important in your sleep is the most important thing, (laughs) right? Yeah. I mean, that, that is the most important thing. So, and we both do that. We both added on businesses and I'm like, nope, I can only have two clients at a time. Mm -hmm. Like that's all I can do. And I've got a wait list of other people that might want help with stuff, or I can take on somebody if they, it's just like a smaller need. Um, so it's creating that boundary for yourself and you're still hustling because a business is successful when it's in high demand and there's a wait list. A wait list is a good thing always. That was a really long ramble. Well, you answered my questions a lot and I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. 
No yeah, problem. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> We're just like, sure, here we are. <laughs> well, I also think it, 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 one of the things you mentioned is, is what are my three top priorities right now and how that could affect your time blocking abilities on a calendar, like through a transition between changing those priorities. And cause, cause your calendar, like you said, we all have different seasons. The calendar is not going to be able to maintain the same throughout the whole year. No, I go through my calendar and I change. So I have like theme days um, and those change every three months or so. And I reevaluate, you know, is this still in congruence with what my top three priorities are in my life? And that's what I time block off of. So it's, it's ever changing for us and different seasons of your business and then different seasons of your kids' ages, your marriage, whether there's a deployment or whatever, you know, it's ever changing. And I think that's okay to say like, oh, this time blocking this way that I was doing it no longer serves me, but it did two months ago. You know, it's this constant reevaluation, mm-hmm. um, based on the season of life. Right. And one other advice I got from a book I read, well, when I say read, listen to, um, is the same thing with the three things, but also doing that each day. So like I have a running to-do list. I need to get all these things done, but I know I can't get them done today. So I highlight three things for that day that I will feel accomplished by the end of the day. And that's like a big burnout prevention thing or like, um, you know, Enneagram one, (laughs) like I get super disappointed you love your to-do list I love my to-do list and I get super disappointed if it all isn't all done but if you choose three things on that list that day then when you go to bed at night and you know you got those three things done it's like well I got I may not have gotten anything else on my list but I got to those three things but it is a matter of making those fit into the bigger picture priority and then breaking it down for your day-to-day as well so um, and Jennifer said, life is imbalanced for women. Isn't that the truth? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we just accept it. That's the whole, the resistance of it is what's hard. Mm-hmm. No, it should be a balance. Like I'm thinking yeah. about hiring somebody to do my laundry. I would love that. Yeah. That's my least favorite chore. Right. So what, what can we delegate out? Which my husband sat and did it all the other night. That was so nice. That's nice. Yeah. I was like, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a lot for all these people. All right. What other questions do we have? Katie. Okay. This one's about hiring. So um, I've built my brand, my business around people wanting to work with me, but now I have hired um, a team of three really great girls and um, Maddie, who's on this call as well. Like, so oh. people are getting used to there being other people other than me in the business but I'm at a point right now where I am actively going to some businesses still and getting content and editing it. And like, that is just not like serving my business anymore because like, I need to be like figuring out new offers we're going to have how to grow. Like someone's got to pay the, pay the girls. Someone's got to invoice the people. And so I am, me and Maddie have talked about it, like contemplating bringing on like a content creator, but I am so hesitant because like I hit the jackpot when I found Maddie, but I know I'm not going to be always so lucky with finding people. So like, how do you like talk to yourself or tell yourself like, okay, when I'm hiring someone that's going to be such a face of my business out in the community that like, 
it's okay? Or like, do you have any tips on doing that? Cause like I could post about it and I know I would probably get a bunch of people that would apply, but I'm just like, so scared to even like let that happen. Because when I show up to get content, they know it's going to be either Maddie or myself, but Maddie and myself can't be at, like we, we've had to limit the amount of clients we can have just because of time. So what are your recommendations on like hiring for such like a in-person face of the business position? So I have two questions. What are you afraid of? I think my biggest fear is like having someone not represent my business in the way that I would want it represented. Like going out to my path, I have such good relationships with these clients like that I don't want someone showing up and, you know, not doing it the way that I would do it. I'm a control freak, like not doing it how I want to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We know some of those. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Two, uh, a follow-up question for that is how would you know they were going to be a good representation of your business? Um, That's a really good question. I don't, like when I hired Jenny and Rachel and Maddie, like I just knew like that they were going to be, because what is it? Hire people that are better than you. I think I said that at your event too. Like I just knew like that they were going to be better at my job than I was. Um, but or, what told you, know, you like, that? Like, how did you know, go back to hiring Maddie because you mm-hmm. had to go through this exact same process with her, you know, yeah. and, and she's amazing with your clients, right? How did you know, like right. you sat there with her or on zoom or whatever it was, how did you know? Like, what did you ask? Was it a feeling? Was it something she said? Was it the content she had created? Was it her presentation appearance? Yeah. Her. I think it was honestly just the conversation. Cause I've said to Maddie too, like I've never asked for a single resume from any of my girls. Like we, I don't care what you did in the past. I want to know what you're, you want to learn and what you're willing to do. Um, so like, I don't, I think it was just, we sat down and we had a conversation and I was like, yes, absolutely. Let's do this. Like there was zero hesitation. There's been quite a few people that have reached out to me and I'm like, yeah, I'll add you to the list. But I just, I, I don't have that feeling. Um, and so I think, I really think it's just like, I feel like I'm a very good judge of character. So really just like sitting down and like figuring out, I've just been like so scared to offload that part of my business, but it's just, do you enjoy a- that part? Um, I do because I enjoy like getting to connect with my business owner clients, but I really, I have so much more on my plate that I don't enjoy like actually going and getting the content anymore because like, I'm always like thinking like, oh my gosh, like there's so many other things I could be doing, you know? So could you come up with a way where you could still connect with those clients, but not be the one going to get the content? I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, cause we do like monthly strategy calls. We do like, I mean, obviously they're all up in my text messages all the time, which I love, you know what I mean? So like, we're obviously always communicating. It's just, I know it's just so hard and it's scary because I'm afraid like someone's going to go get content and like be rude or something. And then people are going to be like, we live in such a small town and like, Oh, collab with Katie. They're so rude. Like, you know what I mean? Like I make up these scenarios in my head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so if you, uh, Jennifer, first of all said, why don't you hire out the boring stuff, all the other stuff you have to do if that's what you enjoy. So someone to do the accounting and the bookings and the payroll and all of that. So that is one option. If, if you enjoy getting the content and you think that's more important for your business and the other stuff could be hired out, then, you know, you work it that way. But 
what um, Caitlin is saying is about finding a way to still connect with those people. And so finding a balance. So maybe you go once a month and you keep that door open and you say, so how do you think it's going with, you know, Jennifer? Sorry, I just said Jennifer. <laughs> just because <laughs> Jennifer's on there. Sally. Uh, yeah, Sally. And if they still have that relationship with you, they're going to feel comfortable saying, well, she came dressed a little inappropriately a couple times or oh, she wasn't quite as friendly. And you can take that feedback and train that person. Um, but you can't, it is hard. And I can say from somebody like having a theater, you know, we're, we're very restrictive as to who gets up to do a curtain speech. Cause that's the face of the theater, whether that speech doesn't really mean anything. Anybody can get up and read a speech, but that is the face of the theater. And I've made mistakes with that <laughs> before and you can recover from it too. So it's like, it is scary, but people know that stuff trickles down from the top. If they know they have an open line of communication with you, they still have a relationship with you. You're just sending someone else to get videos um, or photos or whatever. They're not going to think less of you. If anything, they'll respect that you're prioritizing your time. Um, so yeah, whether it be once a month, cause I had a hard time doing that when I stepped away from teaching. Cause when I started my business, I was still teaching private lessons and kinder music and I loved all of those things, but those things became anxiety inducing for me because it pulled me away from the other things I needed to do. So I just put myself on the sub list for that. So it's like, I still got my fix of being able to do that and connect with those people anytime the teacher was out. But, um, I was able to step away and do that. And the other people do it. And, and you will get complaints because we're people and we work better with some people than other people. Um, so that will always happen that they're going to connect with you or want you. And, you know, people would say that, can you still teach my kid piano? And I'm like, I would love to, but <laughs> you know, I've got to run this business. So yeah, keeping the door of communication open in the relationship, however that may look. Yeah. And I think the big thing in hiring is for sure, trust your intuition and your gut, um, but know what you're asking. Know the questions that you're going to ask ahead of time, and they should be values-based. Um, you can even role play with somebody like, you know, come get content from me. How would you show up? What would you say? Um, you know, it's important that your people connect with your clients. What does that mean to you? What does that look like? You know, you can ask all these questions on the front end and see how you feel about their answers. And I promise you, you're going to hire somebody at some point that's not a good fit. And then you're going to say you have these great qualities and these ones that don't fit with the values of collab. And I'm regifting you to the universe. And thank you for your time that you spent here. And we learned a lot, too. Now I know what not to hire. Right. <laughs> so I think that just like you've hired you know, other people for the team, you're going to have to look at two things. What's it costing you by not hiring somebody? And what do you gain by hiring somebody? And kind of let that push and that pull guide you to open the door to do it. And then trust your gut and your intuition. You've done this before. You know how to hire people because you've hired some kick-ass people, you know, and then trickle it in. She doesn't have to take over all of your clients that you still go see. Start with one, you know, there's, there's a systematic way to do it where it feels less overwhelming for you. Mm -hmm. And we did a whole podcast on hiring and firing. So if you listen to that, that should be helpful too. And 
to spin off of that kind of off topic, if you've not written out the values for your business, I definitely recommend writing out your core values. And when I interview people, I say, here's our values. Does that align with you? And I give them the opportunity to say, nope, that doesn't align with what I believe or I think we should do this. And because then if I ever need to have a serious conversation with them, I can go back on, I told you these are our core values and that is why we do things this way. And you said you agree with that. So we can either change the way you do it or we agree to step away from each other. So yeah, listen to that podcast on hiring and firing because we talk a lot about all of those things. Yeah. My favorite thing is just to get curious. And I do it from the very second that people step in for interviews. Actually, I don't even do interviews anymore. (laughs) I have taught my team how to do this, but get curious, ask questions, those value-based questions. What it is, you know, what is it that you're looking for in a team environment? What kind of people do you want to be around? When you come to team meetings, what do you want to feel? What do you want to see? What do you want to hear? It allows them to step into the possibility of being a part of this team and what they're envisioning, right? And if that doesn't align with your values, you're like, oh yeah, no, 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 we don't do this, right? So just get curious and trust yourself. You're good at this. Thank you, guys. Our 10 minute rants. Oh my gosh, we talked so much. I just have so much that I could share about all of this. I know. And then there's so many spinoffs off of all the things. I know. Katie, your hand is still raised. Do you have another question? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) What else, ladies? Anything? We have leftover coffee and mimosa questions here, too. Look, Mm -hmm. all of our... Just in case nobody got on. We were like, what if no one shows up? (laughs) We're just going to do our own coffee and mimosa sitting here by ourselves. (laughs) Which is fine. These are some great questions. And sometimes when you hire, yeah, continuing to talk about this, you know, Jennifer mentioned like hiring out the boring stuff at one point. I had our accountant um, takeover payroll. So even if you do it for like a period of time, Mm -hmm. like I had Justine takeover payroll for a little while to give me time to do some of the other things I wanted to do. Yeah. So you can even do stuff just for a period of time um, or part time. And sometimes when you put those people in those positions, you're like, She's not really great at this, but she would be good at this <laughs> and you can move people to better positions. So sometimes hiring someone that you really like and you think would be good for something else actually comes a blessing in a different area. Yeah. Yeah. But the ideal of owning our businesses is that we get to do the things that we're not only good at, uh, but we love doing, which is what Jennifer is talking about. You know, like get rid of the stuff that delegate out the stuff that you don't like yeah, and keep the stuff that you're good at and you enjoy. Mm-hmm. I know my husband goes, why do you go to every show? I'm like, because I like it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you don't have to pop. Other people can pop popcorn and like greet people. I'm like, I know. <laughs> it fills my I cup. Li- <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but now I do have because we are a couple and we have to compromise. Yeah. And I'm not going to do every show if it upsets him. So now I go to half of the shows. Yeah. That's how we work it out. And you can. And I can because I'm the boss. Any other questions? We can pull one of these coffee. Should we pull a coffee and mimosas question? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That one's spicy. Why did I pull this? (laughs) Shoot. (laughs) All right. 
Let's go. Let's do it. Okay. Here's a big coffee mimosas question. What has been the impact of alcohol and sobriety on being an entrepreneur and parent? That's a big one. Go, Caitlin. (laughs) Um, Jeez. Okay. So what has been the impact of alcohol or sobriety on being an entrepreneur and parent? Uh, Well, I think I should start out with I have, I, you know, I drank as like a 21 year old. I didn't really drink a whole lot before that. Like I tried alcohol. Um, before I was 21, but it was never like a thing. I know. You did. I didn't. <laughs> I'm not surprised if that's true. It's against the rules. No, it is true. You waited till you were 21. Mm-hmm. And on your 21st birthday, you had your first drink. Yep. A sweet and sour, whatever those sour drinks are. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm a rule follower. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes. So, um, but alcohol is never like a really big thing in my life. I can count on, you know, one hand the the times I've been like really inebriated. <laughs> I lied. Uh oh. I did. I'm sorry uh, to interrupt you. I had a pina colada in the Bahamas or somewhere I was because drinking was legal at age 16. Oh, so, so it, I tried it there. So it was the legal rules for you versus like a moral ethical rule for yourself right because i mean the bible doesn't say you have to drink at 21 (laughs) but it does say you have to follow laws okay (laughs) really quick okay so sorry side note go ahead i think uh i think katie if i could say that we've talked about this whole idea of being sober curious right um yeah so um i it's never been a big deal in my life. Okay. Never has caused me any sort of issues, but I will say that when I met Luke, he did not drink. I was 21. He was 23. He had stopped drinking two years prior. So I've never known him as somebody who drinks alcohol. So it does change the dynamic when you're with somebody who doesn't drink. It's just not a thing you do. You don't like come home and have a glass of wine or anything. So, um, but I will say, in my early to mid thirties, there was a lot of like deployments and I'd be with friends and we'd be at the lake and I'd be like, oh, okay, I've had like eight trulies today. Like that's probably not a good idea. Um, and nothing ever bad happened, but it started to be like, oh, I'm hung over the next day. Like I, I just feel bad. Like I didn't get a good night's sleep. I, you know, I have to recover for like an entire day. And I was like, this is not ideal for my life. Like if I look at my life, is this how I would choose to live it? Because we have a choice of whether or not we're drinking. Right. Um, and then I listened to Huberman's podcast on alcohol and I had already pretty much stopped drinking at that point, but that was the nail in the coffin for me. Um, because it was like, I mean, to sum it up is like, this is poison. <laughs> I was like, well, I wouldn't drink poison. You will get cancer and die. <laughs> no, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say that. But he says, says, talks about how it increases your likelihood to get cancer. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah. And also, I mean, I took it to the extreme. Yeah. so to, to do other things that right. we continue to do. Right. But, um, you know, so that was kind of the nail in the coffin for me. And I... I'm just going to be completely transparent with all of this. Okay. Is that okay? okay? 
I think there gets to be a point when you're like you, getting red. I am because <laughs> I I I have friends that drink. I do not. I'm not sitting back and judging on anybody that chooses to drink. The only part that I have an opinion on, which I generally do not share, is if you continue to have these same issues over and over and over again in your life um, that affect your business or your relationships or your kids, and you come to vent to me about those, I'm like, I have nothing left for you. Like, you can't come complain about the same thing over and over again and not do anything about it. And I had met with a friend and she said something to me like um, about me being a party girl and like staying up and like going out all the time. And I was like, what? Like, no, I'm like in bed at like nine. I don't even drink. And she was like, oh, I see so many pictures of you with people. And I thought that that's just who you were. And because I was you like, have fun. No, because of who I was hanging with. Oh, and, um, again, I will preach till I'm blue in the face. You are who you hang around and you are like the people you spend the most time with. And it's like, I, if I'm going to show up as my best self, I prioritize my health. I prioritize my family and my business and drinking really for me just didn't seem to fit into who I wanted to be with all of those things. Addiction definitely runs in my family. Very rampant. Um, You know, Luke. (laughs) Um, I have other relatives that it runs in, and I'm talking about in, in association with my children. Like, I want them to know that if we prioritize our health, then we can live a more joyful, celebratory, you know, fulfilling life. And for me, that means not drinking. And so I just want to prioritize that for them so they can eventually make their own decisions. But I'm, I'd be lying if I said I didn't worry about them um, drinking at some point and not just drinking, but becoming addicts. Mm-hmm. And that worries me a whole lot. I have a lot of anxiety on that. So I just don't, I don't, do it because it stopped adding anything to my life. It never added anything to my life. It only took away. Um, and I learned that just as I got older. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so I just recently met with Kelsey Moore from Hey Yo Moore and Co. Yeah. <laughs> um, and t- did my whole health assessment and everything. And that was one of the things she's like, you've got to just cut it cold Turkey. And And what was her reasoning for that? uh, Hormones. So a lot of my issues are hormonal imbalances. She's like, if you're struggling with weight in your face, your abdomen and arms, that's like directly connected to your hormones. So we've got to work on the gut health because I have celiac and um, hormone balancing. So that was one of the things that she's like, you've just got to cut it out cold turkey. And I'm not going to lie. Like I, I haven't, I've struggled with it. I've, I, the poster child on everything else (laughs) that she has said to do, but it has become, I don't, I don't get drunk. I I'd say I've maybe gotten drunk once every two to three years, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but I, 
it's more of a like nightly routine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Jenny Sills was on and even talking about it. She's like, why don't you change it to like hot tea? And I'm like, I've tried those things. I'm like, no. Yeah. Or like pouring a, uh, you know, bubbly into a right. glass or something, but, a wine glass. Yeah. But there was a period in my life that I was, anytime I'd feel anxiety and I knew I wasn't going to go anywhere else the rest of the day at home, I would just like have a drink earlier in the day. And I'm uh -huh. like, that, that was my coping mechanism. Yeah. And so I've now totally gotten rid of that as a coping mechanism. I quickly became aware of it and it wasn't setting a good example for my kids <laughs> of how to cope Those with dang something. Kids really properly. have to like change our behavior for them. Right? They really make us better people. And um, I, I did listen to that Huberman podcast too. And one of the things that's eye-opening for that, they said your threshold to handle stress and anxiety is a lot lower the day after you drink. Yep. So it's like, wait, so and your memory, I mean, everything, right? So I was increasing my anxiety by drinking. Yes. So which is absolutely crazy. And not what like, we're told, like, it, have a glass of wine so you can de-stress, right? When you're just screwing yourself for nine hours later, mm -hmm. because your anxiety goes through the roof, right? So and Tori is working on some like sober drink things and stuff like that. So um, so yeah, so now it's like, I'll just have a glass of wine at night or, you know, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I haven't completely quit it cold turkey and I bought those new apothecary things. I'm going to try. I tried those last night, but it has no flight. It's they're like the infusions. There's one called wine down that makes it kind of makes you feel like you had a glass of wine, like calms you, settles your nerves, but it's not alcohol and not wine so they're like more adaptogens and natural elixirs and things but it's just my brain is so wired to like also enjoy that taste of like a deep dark red wine so like okay how can we yeah. how can I still it's it sounds so stupid it sounds like you should just be able to not do that yeah but I think like everybody has a journey and there's so much reason behind it. There's mm -hmm. like that emotion behind it of like, no, this is my ritual of after I put the kids to sleep and this is my time to decompress and do this thing that you've just associated that so strongly that it's hard to still have that without having that thing. Right. It's a process. It is. And one of my children is really bad at moderation, like mm. in anything, like if you, he or she, I won't <laughs> tell you which one. There's so many, you don't know. Find something they like. It's like all or nothing, right? Yeah. And so I'm, I don't want them, I, I want to set that example. So that's hard. Yeah. This yeah. is a tricky subject and it's a hot topic in our community right now. I don't know if anybody wants to chime in on this or just your feelings, whether you're sober, you drink or whatever. There's zero judgment here. And I think that the reason we don't talk about it is because people get, um, really nervous about saying either they're sober or no, they do drink, but it's not an issue in their life. And I think that's totally fair. Um, I just think that we should be able to have a space where we can openly talk about this and not feel condemned, you know, mm -hmm. anybody want to chime in? Go ahead, Bonnie. 
Well, I was just going to say, yes. Um, so uh, Tori, um, Tori in the Pines, uh, I'm working with her on her beverage company. And you guys touched on that. It's called um, JB and Co um, Beverage. And we were at that event, um, Sarah, where she kind of launched it. And one of the things that I find interesting, she pointed out that um, <laughs> alcohol is the one poison in our culture and in our world that we have to defend our choice not to use it. Man. Um, that's, that's a really, that what, that was the thing that resonated with me is that, yeah, growing up in, uh, in the South and then moving out, out West and, and all that kind of thing. I had that same experience of it's like, Oh, you're kind of expected to drink. Um, and if you choose not to, then there's the questions of, oh, why, why there must be a reason if you're not doing it. And there's this negative connotation. So I do love that it, it, like you said, it is such a hot topic issue right now. And, and people are starting to open up and say, look, no, you can, you can choose to not drink, not because of, uh, you know, and, and like a negative info, it, the negatives that it has on your life, but the positives that it has on your life. Um, and, uh, and just opening that up, um, I think is a great conversation. I, uh, I mean, I personally am not, uh, fully sober. I'm, uh, I don't drink a lot. Um, mostly because I can't handle it. I'm one of those two drink minimum kind of people. Like <laughs> maximum. Yeah, maximum. Yeah. Sorry, two drink maximum. If I have any more than that, then you, it's, it's not a pretty scene. Um, but, uh, uh, it's, it's one of those things where I, I appreciate those people who are coming out and saying like, look, you know, there's a different, different options and exploring. And yeah, there are a number of different elixirs and mocktails. And the, the other thing too, is to, if you choose to be sober, there's still a social aspect that you should feel included and inclusive to go out with a group of friends and, and be able to hold, you know, a nice, like fancy crystal glass in your hands and feel good about what you're doing and enjoy the experience. Um, so I think it's, I think, looking at the benefits of just a so socially sober life is is really exciting and i love how it's opening up doors um uh for for new conversations yeah i agree i i think that a lot of people feel pressured to drink in those situations when we go out let's go grab a drink you know um even just to have open conversations sometimes it's like oh i'll have a drink and then i'll feel like i can connect better which sometimes it's totally true. And so to retrain yourself to be open and quote fun, because seemingly we all have to be fun <laughs> all the time when we go out, like, oh, it's boring when I don't drink. You know, I think there's all of these stigmas that go along with it that we have to retrain our brain to say, no, I can be in this social setting. And my go-to is soda water, splash a pineapple with a lime. Um, but I can be fun and have conversation when I drank that, you know, mm -hmm. I think it's sometimes just having something in your hand to be able to have something to do with your hands <laughs> rather than, you know, feeling that, that weirdness. But yeah, I think Jennifer was going to say something too. I saw her microphone turn off. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, to the point of, um, I think COVID really put drinking back into full throttle for for our society because you can't 
everything is centered around drinking now. Every TV show, they're enjoying drinks. Every time you go out, even baby showers now, they're doing like full-on mimosa bars. Like, uh, it's almost impossible to escape, Um, which is super concerning. Just like Bonnie said, there's the science shows us how bad it is, how addictive it is, but it's almost like it's become this uh, social construct um, where if you don't do it, then people kind of, they, well, I tell you what, when I don't drink, when I go out, people ask me if I'm pregnant. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That was always the question I got too. Yeah. It was always yes. Isn't it wild? (laughs) Yeah. There's like, uh uh-huh. Yes. Yes. It's so, it's, I don't know. I feel like uh, I actually had this conversation with my husband because I was like, I need to quit drinking because I have wine every night and it's like that wind down thing. Mm-hmm. And I, that's not who I want to be. Right. But I've gotten into that habit. I've built that habit of having wine every single night. And now when I taste like the alcohol free stuff, it just tastes like crap. I'll, I'll use the PG word crap. It's terrible. It has a weird aftertaste. Is that like the non-alcoholic wine? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, and so I've tried the elixirs. I've tried curious elixirs. I've basically tried everything on the market. I've ordered the odd birds, everything, and just none of it is taste as good as a, the palate of wine when you've <laughs> become yeah uh, rely you know you're relying on that right that taste. Um, so I've talked to my husband about like, how would I develop one that is, is alcohol free, but tastes good because I feel like we're going to start seeing more of a shift in society. People are talking more and a lot of us are more aware. Like it doesn't, it doesn't fit my goals, right? My narrative is not to be the mom that comes home and my kids are like, oh yeah, mom's favorite drink is wine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, How did you quit drinking wine every night? Did you just stop? No, I'm still doing it. Okay. So you're in my same boat. Yeah, you guys are on the same journey. Yeah. Maybe we should get each other's number and text each other and keep each other accountable. Or if we find something. So Tori, because she had a non-alcoholic red wine and I was like, yeah, but it doesn't, it tastes a little too fruity. Like, Mm, and so like juice, isn't it? Essentially then it's made from grapes still. Yeah, but they like de-alcoholize it. Like I think it's still fermented, but then they remove the alcohol from it. But she added a couple things to it. um, And that's kind of what she's doing is trying to figure out those replacements that people are looking for and then offer those. Um, And so she added like some bitters and something else to it. And then it tasted like an actual like bold glass of wine. And I was like, oh, this is better. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what she's doing. So I'm like, all right, tell me, tell me how to recreate it. But then it also gets so expensive that you're having to buy all these things. And you're like, why am I, why am I prioritizing well, my be- finances into this as well? That becomes its own thing. Right. Right. It's like, so now I'm spending all this money to try and recreate this experience. Right. Hopefully, you know what I'm saying? Hopefully it's that'll like- all mm-hmm. just make me just quit. But it's like one step at a time, too. You know, 
that doesn't have to be a forever thing either. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think health is so much at the forefront right now. We're learning so many things. Huberman's podcast is huge. Joe Rogan talks a lot about health. It's becoming this thing that we're recognizing more and what's in our food and what we put on our bodies and in our bodies. And I think the more that we do that, the more we're recognizing like we have to address this one piece that is so celebrated in our society you know, more than celebrated. We celebrate with it. We mourn with it. We do everything with mm-hmm. it. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's a staple. And to reject that, uh, it's going to take a, a lot, you know, think of all the commercials that you see. Think of, like you said, the TV shows, everything has alcohol in it. It is so celebrated. So to divorce that idea is a really big deal. Yeah, I think um, what Bonnie was saying, I've even been guilty of that because every time we do an opening night, we have a champagne toast. Yeah. And I know which people that are part of our um, production and everything don't drink alcohol. And there's a couple people that are like of age to drink alcohol. And they're like, oh, by the way, this person doesn't drink alcohol. And I'm like, oh, I wonder why. I wonder if they used to be an alcoholic. I wonder if they were in a relationship that like turned them away from it. And I'm like, it's not about business. Like, why am I wondering why? Yeah. Or maybe there is no like big reason. I know, but that is how we are trained totally in society to think there must be a bigger reason as to why they don't want to drink alcohol. Yes. And that was exactly how I, so, I mean, I'm guilty of that. I've been I asked was, a bajillion times when yeah. I, when I order my, <laughs> my little mocktail and people will sometimes laugh. Most recently, when we were um, on a girl's trip and we went out to a few bars, I ordered, you know, soda water with a splash of pineapple and a lime. And two times, two separate bartenders, uh, the first one looked at me and laughed and thought I was joking. And I was like, yeah, like it was so awkward. Um, And then I developed this whole skit because that's what I do um, about me hanging out with my mom's. And I was just their daughter ordering my little drink, my special drink, (laughs) while they ordered their cocktails. And then the second time, the guy looked at me and said, um, he chuckled and he said, are you kidding me? All your girls are going to get drunk and you're just going to sit there and drink that. And I, I was about to get very heated. And uh, one of my girlfriends like stepped in and said something, but I was like, what is this? Like, this is a weird thing you guys have going, you know, I get that I'm not going to get shit faced and then spend all my money here on shots and all this stuff. So it's bad for your business. Totally get that. But like, be a respectful human being, you know? Right. Well, and you're still there spending money. Yeah. Right? You still bought your drink. My pineapple juice. Your is, pineapple yeah, juice. It costs something. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> Anybody else have anything they want to chime in on this super big topic? Yeah. All right. I think we should ask one more question. One more? Does anybody else have anything that they want to ask before we just pick from our... Our questions? Anything you're struggling with? Nope. All right. We'll do one more of these questions then. Um, This one I feel like we kind of talked about work-life balance with family. Time blocking is a huge. The only thing I would add about that is like, like we kind of talked about being flexible 
So for instance, this weekend, I'm working all weekend. So today I gave my nanny the day off because I'm going to make sure I spend time with my kids Mm. all day after this, Yeah, you know, to compensate for that. So being willing to be flexible and adjust when things like that happen. Um, This is the only, this is a fun one. If you weren't in your current profession or business, what would you want to do? Can everybody type what they would want to do if they weren't in their career? Or chime in. Or chime in if and you want to talk. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I don't know how to work this on my phone. <laughs> You're fine. I always wanted to be a profiler for like the FBI and catch oh, yeah. serial killers. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why? Man, I don't know. It just seems so badass. Like, <laughs> totally. Uh, of course, like once you dissect it, and I watch all those Mind Hunter shows and everything, you're like, well, you can't be both. Like, either you are the person that does the research, or you're, and they're usually the geniuses, or you're the person that has like okay passing grades. You're just really strong and fast, and you kick down the doors. Yeah, <laughs> and like. <laughs> There's no, like, the shows, you know, like, uh, Criminal Minds and, you know, all those things. Like, you have to have a team of people because nobody is all those things. They're going to get, they're going to get got by the serial killer. And so, yeah, it's just something I wanted to do ever since I was a kid. And then, I don't know, somehow I ended up here. Tell everybody what you actually do. (laughs) Um. I own my real estate brokerage, Um, (laughs) just a small boutique real estate firm in Pinehurst. And I actually love what I do, which is, it's fun and it's something different every day. And I've had just about every job you can think of. And this is the one that stuck. Um, So I actually love what I do, but I always thought like, what if I had done that? And my daughter um, who's 13 wants to go into the FBI. So she's, she's training for her black belt. Ooh. And <laughs> she's going to be, she's learning how to take a punch because you, you got to be able to take a punch to the face. Mm. And um, she's going to be the one that kicks down the doors. Not, not the one researching everything. I love it. That's <laughs> so. so funny. <laughs> I think we've actually talked to a few people who want, didn't Kim from Cotton and Grain, didn't she say she wanted to be in the FBI? That's why she was a criminal justice major. Oh, yeah. I don't think this is like an abnormal story. And I think we grew up in the generation of like um, Law and Order and, you know, all of those shows. And I, I love watching those. Brandon says that's why he's scared of me because I'll like get so sucked into like serial killer shows yeah. and like Dateline. And I'm like, oh, how did they do Well, now there's like the true crime podcasts and like. Every mom is always listening to those. But here's my fascination with it. How do they get from like being a baby, a sweet little innocent baby Mm -hmm. to being that crazy? Like that's a lot to unpack. I think you're showing psychopathic tendencies as like a toddler. That's when you're like, oh, I killed this bunny. Like, oh, that's not um, typical. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's what my fascination always is. And like those shows like Addicted and stuff like that and Intervention. I love watching those because I'm always so fascinated how it gets from one point to the other. Yeah. Trying to make sure I don't screw my kids up. Yeah. (laughs) 
I'm not sure if you're a true psychopath, if it's your environment. I think it's, yeah, genetic Hmm. or something happened along the way genetically or something like that. I don't think you, I don't think it's a nurture aspect to create a psychopath. I don't know. Yeah. Anybody else? No. (laughs) See? I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. (laughs) I think it's, you're born, like people are born with that and then you have choices and it's kind of like the whole good and evil concept, right? And then once some people taste that evil, it feels good on them. Mm-hmm. And then there's no no turning back. Because you, when you look at like all the serial killers that are have been caught in the U.S., like all different type of backgrounds. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of people that have been like kicked and molested and terrible, terrible things. But there's also a lot of people who have went through that and turned out completely fine. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Aren't killing people. Do you you let those things define you? Right. The things that happened to you as a child, do those define the rest of your life or do you define you? Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes that also has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Anybody else? What would you be if you weren't doing what you're doing? We know Morgan's dream was to do a bridal shop. Basically anything uh, with pretty dresses, yes. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm doing what I want to do. Or toilets. Oh, or yeah. She's good at that. I mean, yeah. It all led you here. <laughs> I know. I love that. That was my favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would own like a wedding venue, like do weddings. You never even really had a wedding, right? Like a full wedding? Yeah. You did? I did. That's right. You were really, really skinny because you did way too much yoga. Yes. Way too much. I got addicted to working out. Yeah. So, yeah. But I've always loved the idea of like having a wedding venue and doing all the pretty things. Yeah. But. 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 You do a lot of pretty things. You put on beautiful shows. Mm-hmm. You're a producer. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do those cool things. What would you do? I have a thousand jobs I would do. (laughs) Maybe not a thousand. I would love to put on events, be an event planner, um, potentially own a venue because I really enjoy the aesthetics of things Mm -hmm. in case you you didn't know. (laughs) Um, I would be an interior designer. I would be, (laughs) um, I would be like a speaker. (laughs) Um, And I would like to have been, when I was younger, if you would have asked me this question, I would have liked to have been an actress. Mm. Yeah. Yep. All the big dreams. I always said when I was little, I want to be an actress when I grow up. Yeah. I mean, I went to John Robert Powers, much like you. You saw your headshots from when you were about, what, 15, 16? No, I was 13 there. You were 13. You looked a little bit older than that. Yeah. 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 So... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of interests and really have to narrow that down. But I'm getting to do now all those aspects, right? Like we're planning events. Mm-hmm. Um, I've decorated my house as an interior designer. If you've not been on our <laughs> podcast. So here's a quick little story. We were initially recording podcast at my house 
And like the room just has like three desks and a pretty rug and cute chairs. And then like some of my husband's military stuff and like diplomas, my diplomas. Mm-hmm. It was just our it's office. Like a true office. Yeah. yeah. Our true office. And Caitlin was like, no, it has to be on brand. We need to do this. We need to do that. Bonnie, you would be so proud. So I'll turn the camera around <laughs> and I'll show you our podcast room. I'm sure you've seen it on social media. Right. And it's because you think about social media and I don't think about it. But um, so because you're smart in that for sure. So here's our podcast room. Did you have pink wallpaper before? No. She hung this for our podcast that people listen to. Actually, Luke hung this. Okay. Luke did all of this, actually. I'm not (laughs) trying to talk into a microphone and control a camera. Yeah. See? I think a lot of you have actually been here, but yeah. Our little sign and flowers and all the things. So I think the goal, though, in thinking about this is like, how do you get to do the things that you love and are still interested in and bring you joy and happiness, but may not be the actual avenue that you like thought you had to go. Does that make sense? Yes. Bonnie would open a toy store. I remember you saying this, Bonnie. Where were we when we were she talking said, about she has this? To go. Oh, she has to go. She said she would open a toy store. I remember you talking about this and I find that so fascinating because that's like really niche. Yeah. It's very specific. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Maybe she could open one and brand it and have somebody else run it. (laughs) I can help you with that. (laughs) Yes. Oh, um, I can chime in. Um, I wanted to be a fashion designer. I wanted to like Mm. live in a penthouse in New York city and like, live my fashion girl dreams like I really wanted to get into the fashion institute in New York City and never got in but did you apply you know I wanted huh did you apply yes I did oh I did were you really devastated yeah 100% devastated oh yeah so like dreams crushed there but yeah that's and I think I kind of like live out my I guess dream of being in the fashion industry um by you know just like choosing what I wear and dressing my son Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes totally (laughs) well and what's cool you know like (laughs) yeah that's how we get it out to me and and knowing how to post it on social media so everyone can still see it (laughs) well I think there's that creative aspect and that's kind of what I was saying is like how can you still get the same needs met, but you're like in a completely different industry than you thought, but you still get to be like creative in that sense. Like, do you feel like you get that need met? Yeah, I do. And I really think that like, I'm Katie said it when we were at the um, boss giving, like I'm really big on the aesthetic of things. So like I'm with you on the aesthetics of rooms, the aesthetics of like, events you know like I'm all about that so I think that's really where like the creative aspect comes out and I don't know I guess I've always been someone that I don't know I'm always like looking for you know fashion icons and like following fashion icons and you know their brand and so like that's why I love branding too because it really all expresses like how someone is creatively yeah um but yeah, I think just doing my job and helping other people with their like aesthetics ha- kind of has like helped fill that void, I guess. Mm-hmm. Totally. So True oh. Enneagram three right there, Maddie. 
And it's cool how you, (laughs) exactly (laughs) how you see it, like stuff work out in your life and your passions start working out in your life. Cause my, my dream growing up was to be on Broadway and all the way through my senior year, like I got into Berkeley, I got into Juilliard, got into all these schools and that's what was going to happen. And a set piece rolled over my foot (laughs) and broke my foot. So I couldn't dance. And I got nodules on my vocal cords, so I couldn't sing as well. And I got really good at violin, though, because I could sit and play violin and not sing. Um, So that kind of, like, crushed that. So I was like, okay, let's reroute it. But now, like, I'm on Broad Street. (laughs) Not Broadway. Basically broad. I mean, like, it's basically our Broadway. It is, yeah. In a funeral home, old funeral home. <laughs> really, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, you know, that passion, that desire and those like gifts and talents, yeah. you can, you can focus yeah. and put in towards whatever. Jennifer, you can look for houses where you don't think serial killers could get away with it. <laughs> you can fine tune it. <laughs> yeah. I think we still get the needs met in different ways they just show up because it's like a human need of ours yeah. that we will figure out a way to have it in some aspect of our life, you know? Yeah. Well, this awesome. was fun. That was fun. I think we should do this again sometime. So Me too. All right. So it sounds like our January, um, social needs to be about time, time blocking. blocking. So yeah, we'll work on that and we'll announce that very soon then. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. We appreciate spending the morning with you. (laughs) Bye. Always weird at the end of a Zoom meeting. How you're like (laughs) leaning in, smiling and looking for the button with my eyeliner. Where's the leave button? (laughs) Oh. Okay. We're out of (laughs) here. Bye. Happy Wednesday. Yeah. And uh, uh, this is coming out when? When we? The week after Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. So we're almost into the holidays. Yeah. We're recording right before Thanksgiving. Yes. Yes. All right. Happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas and all the things. Yes. Love you. Bye. Bye.